I can't stay forever Let's play pretend And treat this night like it'll happen again You'll be my bloody valentine Be mine tonight No, no, no No, no, no No, no, no Not just tonight No, no, no No, no, no Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here on My Turning Point, where this week we are joined by the iconic Travis Barker, one of the coolest guys in music. I've known Travis for many, many, many years. He talks with us today about playing the Nirvana tribute show with Post Malone, working with Machine Gun Kelly, all the projects he's been working on during quarantine. Such a pleasure to catch up with Travis, and always, always a blast. Whatever it is that you feel like it, it sort of shifted you to where you are today, whether it's musically or personally. And I'll just ask you the question to pick a turning point moment in your life. Um, I guess I would have to say being on tour with Blink when I was in the office and, and, you know, getting that knock at the door saying, hey, I think our drummers took off and uh, he's not going to play the shows and the tour's going to be canceled in case, unless you can learn the songs in the next 45 minutes. Um, so, I mean, that was obviously a, turn, a huge turning point. I, I owe everything, you know, to, to that time. Um, and just me willing to step up and go, yeah, I'll learn whatever songs you need me to learn in 45 minutes, I'd be happy to. Um, yeah, yeah, it's just always like seizing the moment, seizing the opportunity, and, um, and I guess being ready for it. You know, I'd, on that tour, I'd practice, you know, hours a day and, uh, and always watch the Blink set, and I guess it was just like perfect timing for me, and, and I owe so much to, to that, that moment, you know, because it did change the course of my career and, you know, opportunity. Even, even in the future. So that was a really special time. Well, you know, it's funny because there are these articles and we'll just go ahead and start, but I mean, there've been all these articles that I've seen, you know, with people talking about the fact of like, look, they're thriving in quarantine or whatever. And so, I'm not going to lie to you because I'm so damn busy all the time. I've been kind of feeling the same way. Like I'm enjoying not running around. I'm enjoying like having time to myself because I think, you know, a lot of the time it's like, Look, I'm running around everywhere. Like I was just telling a friend, and this is crazy to think about. You know, I lived out in Long Beach, which I love, man. I have not driven to LA since March. Wow. You know, which is insane because I'm used to driving back and forth, you know, four, five, six times a week. Yeah. So I yeah, think for, nice. for you, do you feel like that some of it is the fact as well that it's like, you know, look, obviously, you know, you love being on the road. You can't be on the road. You love doing, you know, stuff you can't do it. And it's like, you know, it, it's funny. I mean, do you, uh, you know, but in your words, do you feel like it's because there's more freedom in time that it's been so productive for you? Yeah. And by like, by default, I think the first part of quarantine, I was literally stuck at home. So, you know, we did like the Paramore cover, Kells and I, and we did like the quarantine video. And I think we were pretty much like the first to do that. And um, we did misery business. And then from there, it was like, oh, like, whatever. I'm up at 10 a.m. I'm not going to go anywhere today. After I've had a cup of coffee, I'm going to do, like, a drum cypher on my marching snare to uh, whatever, this Pop Smoke song. 
oh, I'm going to do a tribute to Mac Miller. Just every day there was something, and by default, you really don't have anything else to do. So you really start to just get creative. And then, you know, I slowly started going to the studio and just really, really tapping in with artists that were also quarantined and, you know, worked on projects, you know, worked on, you know, started albums, finished albums. Uh, it was just really nice, man. It was really nice. And I think, like, everyone's so grateful and fortunate to be able to make music and just be alive, period. Like, seize the day, seize the opportunities and, and, and be creative and make great music. Well, there's a couple different interesting directions to go. And we do feel like it's like, look, it's interesting. I just did a piece for Forbes with like, you know, Serge Tankian, who's a friend, um, Aaron Bruno, John Sykes from iHeart, who's a friend, and just different people talking about how, you know, sort of how this has gone on. And it's interesting because some people have really thrived in it. Some people have not, but it, it's interesting. You are starting to see actual, like, it's funny, like I did a piece at the very beginning of quarantine with Youngblood, who I know your buddies with, and I love that dude. And it's like, you know, there are people who just really sort of emerged and became sort of, um, I, I get, you know, like they've kind of risen to the occasion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like, you know, MGK was one of those people that got, even his label hit him, you know, a couple of weeks into quarantine. It was like, dude, whatever you're doing, like you are, your streaming numbers are up, your YouTube numbers are up, everything. You're more relevant than you've ever been. And it was just like, I feel like some artists during quarantine are going to shrivel in a ball and, you know, and not do anything and just be like, ah, oh, I'm going to take this time to rest. And when it's all over, I'll be back. And then some people are taking this time to stay on everyone's necks and really, really go hard. And it's driving them to do stuff, you know, even beyond their, you know, what they knew their creativity was before, or maybe their workload. It's just, I don't know. I, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting time. Yeah, no question. I mean, for you, talk about the sort of inspiration of being around these people. Like, even when you look at, you know, the Nirvana show you did with Post and all that, I, I mean, you know, sort of the inspiration, because it's funny, you always, you know, we've talked about this so many times over the years, you always love and get inspired working with all kinds of different people. And, and it's funny, like Jenny and I were joking about, you know, you have that similarity of Aoki, who's, you know, I know you're friends with, and I've done a lot of work with, and we talked about that. And it's like, just that driven of like, you know, when everybody else is like, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to chill, whatever, just that like, love to keep working, keep doing stuff. So for you, talk about sort of the inspiration of getting to be around all these different people whether it's Kels, who you know I'm friends with, or, you know, um, you know, Post, or whoever it is. Yeah, I mean, when opportunity arises, you know, you just, you know, I was, honestly, I was sitting at home, I was working with this artist named Poor Stacy, and I was just sending him, you know, song ideas, uh, starting his project. He had hit me during quarantine, like, second week, and was like, I want to do a whole project with you. I want to do Joy Division, Cure, Crystal Castles, you know, these vibes. And I was putting these, like, ideas together and sending them back and forth, and I got a, I got a phone call from Brian Lee. Like, Brian Lee FaceTimed me, who writes with Post a lot, and is, like, a, a really good friend of his. And he's like, hey, I have this idea, you know, this song idea I want to present to Post. I'd really like you to record drums on it. So, you know, I sent drums back in 45 minutes later. You know, and he was like, whoa, this is awesome, whatever. I'm going to show Post. And he's like, dude, would you... You know, would you be down to do this Nirvana thing with us? We were talking about maybe doing, like, 20 Nirvana covers. 
and it'll be a charity for, for coronavirus and to help, like, you know, first responders, this, this, and that. And I honestly thought he was joking because the idea of driving to Salt Lake City, really, are we going to learn 20 Nirvana covers and really, are we going to figure out a way to live stream it? So I was like, dude, I would love to. I love Post and I love you, so just tell me if, it, if, it, if it's actually serious. Then we kept talking about it and he was like, dude, I'm actually serious and Post is serious. He just texted you. Uh, you should come out here in three days. So I was like, whoa, this is really happening. So I just spent the next three days learning 20 Nirvana songs, which was fun because Nirvana's one of the greatest bands of all time as well. But And then, I don't know, just driving out there and doing that during quarantine was so cool when people are sitting around and really need live music. And, and what better band to pay tribute to than Nirvana? I do a couple questions in that because Grohl is a friend as well. I love that dude. Did you ever hear from Grohl about it? Yeah, Grohl came out and said like it was an honor to watch me play those songs and to hear Post sing those songs and was like super supportive. So everyone like Chris Novak was like live tweeting and saying like the coolest things and so was Courtney Love. Like you know, I know there's so many people involved with you know what is you know, whatever, who controls Nirvana or who is, you know, still, you know, alive from that band and just to have their support meant the world. Well, you know, what's interesting about that as well. It's funny. I talk about this with people all the time, right? Look, you can hear a song a million times, but until you actually get into it, like when you play it, you hear different things in it. You find different things. So for you, it's interesting when you went through and learned 20 songs, were there things in the drum parts to Nirvana that you heard differently or watching posts sing them? Did you develop a different appreciation for it? Because when you're playing, a, especially it's interesting. You know, look, normally when you do a show, you're like, maybe you'll do one cover and it's fun. But when you get into that much of a band's catalog, I'm sure you heard some very different things in it. And we'll come out of the label in one second. Just this came up, and obviously I'm a fan, so it's just curious to me. Yeah, it's very different listening when I've listened and grown up listening to Nirvana for years. But you have to listen with a different ear when you're actually focusing in on learning the song instead of just enjoying the song. When you're listening to learn and you're kind of dissecting drum parts and listening to arrangements. You know, there's some weird Nirvana arrangements. Like, in school, there's, like, some weird arrangements. In very ape, like, I think it's the chorus. Like, it goes, like, it's like five measures instead of, like, a, or it's, like, yeah, it's, like, five measures instead of four. Just little weird things where there's an extra measure on stuff. And Nirvana had really cool, what seemed like very simple arrangements, but... When you look a little closer, it was kind of different, and and they were doing some cool stuff. And I don't know, it just everything from like playing songs on Bleach to In Utero. There was there's just their their music collection, like their catalog of music, is timeless and it's just amazing. So yes, I did have to listen with a different ear, and Dave Grohl's parts were genius back then, and you know still are. So yeah, it was really cool. So after doing it, was there one song or two songs that just jumped out at you? You know, when Post sent over the, the, the set list at first, we looked at it and Brian Lee was like, dude, what's very ape and why are we playing that? <laughs> and, and then it turned out to be one of our favorite songs to play during the set. So yeah, it was the, the whole experience was really fun. 
Well, it's such an interesting thing because you, one of the things you're really good at too, <clears throat> excuse me, is building up these relationships. So are you doing more stuff with Post or do you see yourself doing more stuff? Yeah, I'm actually talking to you from my bus. I'm, I'm going up to Salt Lake just to just write for a week with him. Oh, nice. Yeah. So is there like a, just to hang out and write, is there any sort of plans as to what that might be or you're just going to kind of feel how it goes? Not just jam and have fun. You can't like over rehearse Nirvana songs or it just loses its vibe. So the whole vibe over there has been very relaxed and just, just you know, whatever, whatever happens, happens. And it's been really fun. Nice. You know, it's interesting. And then of course, obviously you have Bloody Valentine coming out with, uh, Kells, I mean, you know, and, and it's interesting because I know this ties in with the, now the label's called again DTA, correct? Yeah, yeah, DTA Records. And it's interesting because this ties in with the stuff you were doing with Kells, and I mean, that's one of the things that you've been very good at, like I said, is building the relationships, but also, again, sort of, you know, straddling across worlds. It's really interesting. Um, you know, when I was talking with Jenny about it, Rick Rubin came up. I, I love Rick. He's one of my favorite people in music. He's just such a fucking chill, smart dude. Are, as you start to mold into all the different stuff you're doing, are there people that you really admire or look at for the way that they've been able to cross over into so many different worlds? And when I say different worlds, I'm not just talking about different genres, because I mean, we talked about it when you played with Eminem back at, you know, the Grammys and stuff. You've always played with, Chalk, you're good. Sorry, my dog is growling, the mail was just here. But you know, you've always been like good about, you know, working in different worlds and you and Lil Wayne. But I mean, whether it's, you know, being a producer, whether it's being label head, you know, are there these different people that you admire for the way that they, you know, can straddle all these worlds? Yeah, I think I've just been lucky enough to work with friends and it's always been organic. Like, you know, the start of Tickets to My Downfall, which is the album that I produced with, for MGK for his new his new project. Um, you know, we had finished I Think I'm Okay with Youngblood and that had been out. MGK goes on tour with Young Doug and I just show up because Young Doug had invited me out to the show. So I went over there to say what's up, and of course I see Kells, and I jump up, I play a song with him, and then he's like, dude, I gotta show you all the new shit I've been working on. Uh, I got this crazy song with Trippy, and he shows me a song with Trippy Red, and he's like, playing it for me, I was like, this is my beat. And he's like, no way, and I'm like, yeah, like, this is my beat. He's like, let me show you this other one. And then that one was my beat too. Um, and he's like, fuck, dude, like, I didn't know you were doing this whole rock project, but Trippy, we gotta get in. The next day we got in, the next day we wrote My Bloody Valentine. And then we locked in every day from that point on. And there was no plan, there was no conversation. Am I doing your album? What is this? We just got in the studio every day for two months straight and made one of the most incredible albums I've been a part of. And, and an album that I, I can't think of an album I've injected so much of myself into or been so proud of. So. You know, it's just doing stuff like that, you know, and just being fortunate enough to have, like, friends that you love their music and you want to work with. Denzel Curry just hit me on my way to Salt Lake and was like, yo, I want to do this project with you. That's, that's a text or a phone call, you know, you dream of getting and, and from an artist that you'd love to work with. So I guess those just really count for me, like, being able to work with artists that I respect and 
and I admire, and I'm in, and I'm just always shocked and impressed by. It. Like Machine Gun Kelly impressed me all the while during this album. Everywhere I took him, I was impressed. And being able to work with artists that are like that, that you can just mold or kind of take in any direction and they kill it, it, is, it just makes it all worth it. Well, you know, here's the thing. You and I have talked about this and, you know, we, obviously we've been lucky to have or I've been lucky to have so many conversations with you over the years. And one of the things is, look, after the experiences you went through, you have a different appreciation for things. We talked about that. So, but for you... Do you feel like as well, it's more important to work with friends and that it's something that you appreciate more because of the experiences you've had? And so, look, you can appreciate it in a different way because it's like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna bullshit around with stuff. You're not gonna fuck around with stuff. Like you're gonna work with the people you like to work with and that's what really sort of drives you. Yeah, absolutely. There is opportunities that come up where people say, hey, I just want Travis Barker's drums on this record and that's very different than when I come in and I produce a project or I come in and, and play drums on a whole album or help with arrangements or the writing um, and I like doing both but obviously the ones my heart are more into are the ones that I'm, I'm fully into from A to Z so it's interesting for you. Well, fill me in. Give me a little bit of the rundown of the stuff you have coming up because it, it's so funny. It's such a laundry list of stuff. It comes up every time. And well, yeah, give me a couple like highlights and then we'll come back to talking to the MGK record and how this all ties in with DTA. Yeah, I mean, that's like my main focus right now is, you know, finishing up. We just finished the acoustic version of My Bloody Valentine yesterday and just helping Kells from like, you know, from the artwork, the album artwork to single artwork um, to like what single we release next those are the, those are the things in that I'm, I'm with Kells in all along the while, while while you know when I jump into a project like this with him and then um, for for DTA I signed my first artist uh, and we just released his first single his name's Jaden JXDN Sunk on Angels and Demons and same thing you know like like artist signing artist, you know, I'm, I'm helping him, like, you know, he's hitting me at, you know, six hours before we have to turn in artwork, and I'm hustling, you know, having people do art, we're, we're, we're in the studio 24-7, and we're doing acoustic versions of songs, and we're, we're writing new songs, you know, I was up with him till 5 a.m. last night writing a song before I left to Salt Lake City, so it's just, like, really, really kind of guiding him and, you know, making sure, you know, everyone's on board at, at, at a label, um, everyone, you know, and his management team's on board and just kind of like executing like the vision and, and the, the direction we're going. Well, you know, for you, do you feel like, you know, also because look, well, okay, wait, I'm going to put this a couple different ways. I'm curious for you. If you could have had one person, you know, and look, it's a little different for you because you came up in a band. So you guys were a tight knit group. You came up together. It was a, a you know, a band mentality. But, you know, as opposed to like a Youngblood or a Kells or a um, Jaden. But it's interesting for you. If you could go back to the beginning, knowing all the people, you know, who would have been the like, who would be your dream mentor? Who would have been the person that you would have loved to have just had the opportunity to learn from at the beginning. And not because you want to do anything different or, or you felt like anything should be different, just because as you give this experience back to them, you think, oh, it would have been so cool to learn this from Rick Rubin or Jay-Z or whoever it is. 
I mean, for me, any any experience I've had in the studio, um, I'm so appreciative of. And I think I, I did get to kind of experience that, and it was with Jerry Finn. I learned so much from Jerry Finn, even though at the time I wasn't sitting there going, hey, one day I'll, I'll be producing albums, or one day I'll be caring about more about other parts of a song than just the drums. You know, I had no idea, but I knew even from the first time I stepped in the studio with Jerry and Blink, I was really into arrangements and I was really into, you know, maybe that part shouldn't go that many times or we could cut this part in half or uh, that snare doesn't sound right. So I just didn't know what that was called yet. So I think like I did have that one experience with Jerry Finn and I still, you know, get that one-on-one in experience from like people like John Feldman when I'm in with John Feldman like you learn uh, from the sessions I've done with Dr. Luke like I learned from Dr. Luke I think I think you're cheating yourself if you're not learning something in every session you're in well and for you now when you work with these younger artists whether it's Jaden or whoever having gone through so much in the industry what's the most important lesson that you want them to understand and it's funny because again I've gotten to know I really like Youngblood Kells has been a friend for a long time I got him to come speak at UCLA all that you know and the thing is the industry changes so much there's so much craziness in it at all times and it's so morphs all the time and yet like you and I have talked about over the years I mean look Blink is still stays so relevant you guys have been you know I wouldn't call it lucky, but there's been amazing how you've maintained that, you know? So for you, when you work with these young artists, because obviously, again, like you say, you're working with friends, what's the, like the, the biggest lesson that you would love them to take away from the experience or that you would most hope that they get from the experience? I guess I didn't have to say like, I'm honored, you know, someone like MGK who grew up on pop punk and blink, you know, you think like, however many years later, like, I, I even think, like, it started with I Think I'm Okay, but, we, you know, I met him and he was, like, a, a, a rap, a young rapper, aspiring rapper that was coming to Blink shows and was a big fan, like, scene kid of the music, but 20 years later, we're reviving the style of music and the genre of music that brought us together is just exciting, and to be the person that could you know, be in the front running full steam ahead, you know, throwing elbows and kicking down doors uh, for this genre of music, you know, somewhat, you know, bringing pop punk and like rock music back. That that, mean, that means a lot. And being able to do it with Jaden too, that, that's what stuck out with Jaden was this, you know, I, it, it's kind of a, an interesting story how, how it all happened was a producer, a friend of mine said, hey, I just did this song with this kid. It just came out. I think you'd like it. I was trying to get you to play drums on it, but I couldn't get a hold of you, but we got the next best thing. We used all your splice drum packs, so it, your drums are on it. And then in that same, like, five minutes, my son brought it. was like, hey, you got to check out this kid, Jaden. kind of makes rock music, but, you know, he's a kid, a cool kid. And I was immediately in love with what he was doing, and I just felt like I didn't know what his label situation was, but I was like, I knew... I was, I, I found my artist that I was searching for, and I put out like stuff with Josiah and stuff with NASCAR Allo and stuff with Wayne and Rick Ross, but when this came around, I knew this was the perfect kind of piece of clay that could be molded into whatever, and he already is making noise and is already kind of louder 
and different than everyone else because he is bringing rock music back and he didn't come out sounding like everyone else. So I guess that's important too. Talk about, you know, one of the things too that's cool is that, and again, it's funny, like I was just talking about this with Serge Tanky last week and, you know, we're talking, look, when you have system, right, it's a big ass thing. It's not easy to move system. I always use the analogy. I talked with Joe Perry from Aerosmith and Joe was saying, look, Aerosmith, it takes like, it's like moving a freaking, you know, like boat as opposed to Hollywood vampires, which is even though they're big people in there, they're all friends. They can agree to do a show on a moment's notice. You know, so for you, talk about having that mix of getting, you know, to still play with Blink, who I know you love doing, but you also get the freedom of doing your own thing, where especially with like DTA, you kind of are driving it and playing with other artists where you get to be on the side. I go back to the 80s, man, just as a fan. I never got to interview him. But watching Clapton play guitar with Roger Waters in 1985, and I remember him saying in an interview, he's like, it was just fun for me to not be the main guy, to not be in the spotlight. So do you get some of that feeling and talk about that sort of, you know, just having that mix of stuff of getting to play with Blink and you guys are still doing stuff and it's still going great and you still love it and you're working with Feldman who you love and all this. And then at the same time, you get something totally different doing stuff, you know, whether it's with Kells or Youngblood or Jaden or anybody else on DTA. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't complain. My weeks, I'm spoiled. You know, this, this week, uh, me and my friend Brian Lee produced a Blink song and recorded it. I finished three Jaden songs, uh, finished an acoustic MGK song and reworked three other songs on the album, played on a Young Blood song, uh, co-produced and played drums on a Steve Aoki song featuring Trevor Daniels and MGK. So I'm just, it's my, it's my dream job. Now, interesting. Okay, you say you recorded the Blink song. What is the song, and is there a timeline for it to come out, or is it just something that you guys are in the midst of doing? Because the reason I asked specifically about it coming out, sorry not to interrupt, but I was just going to say, look, like we talked about so many people are just dropping music in quarantine because it's like, well, it just feels like the time. Yeah, yeah, we actually have a song called Quarantine that'll be out in like the next two weeks. Nice. Yeah. Really excited about it. And tell me where you're going with DTA. Like, talk about what's happening with that. And, you know, like, again, so you have Jaden. But, I mean, in terms of the long-term goals for the label, you know, what are you thinking? Uh, you know, I don't have, like, it's not it's not a label where I'm just basically focusing on one type of artist. I don't know. You know, I my focus is 110%, you know, completely focused on Jaden right now. Um, I'm releasing some other stuff that's just records I've been sitting on that I, you know, asked the label. I was like, yo, I just got stuff on my hard drive that I can just release during quarantine that might be fun. So like, yeah, I got a song with like Wiz Khalifa that's dropping, a song with Run the Jewels that's dropping. And that's just like fun stuff. But as far as like, you know, finding new artists and, um, and artist development, like I can't like go searching for that. They, I just gotta, you know, they'll come to me and I'll and I'll find them just the way Jaden does, you know. And that was like special, and uh, and I knew from the moment I heard him, he was supposed to be signed to me, and I knew what I could do to him. I just saw, I saw the potential. Um, then I've been pretty much spot on because every every time we've gotten to the studio, we've written, you know, amazing stuff. So um, yeah, it's been awesome. <laughs> And for you, I mean, it's an interesting thing because obviously, you know, Blink continues to be active. Have you thought about, you know, eventually at some point, all of this madness will, well, perhaps end 
It seems like it will. And eventually you'll be able to tour again. You'll be able to, you know, perform live in front of audiences, though who the hell knows what that's going to look like or when it's going to happen. Have you thought about, you know, how you will juggle all this stuff when that happens? Or have you, are you, is there like an excitement to get back in front of the stage? Or like you say, you're really enjoying things right now. So like for you, are you just kind of chill with, okay, this is what's happening now and I'm not going to worry about when we can tour again? Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, like, I'm very content just staying home and producing uh, bands and playing drums on everyone's songs. That That's, that's like, what I'm really, really passionate about. And when it comes time for Blink to have a new album out and tour, uh, I'll be just excited about that, and that'll be become my priority. And, and I'll just bring a, a, a mobile rig on, on tour and, and keep on producing and keep on, you know, playing on records and... And, you know, just try to keep it moving, you know? Now, a couple more questions. But one, I am curious, just as a fan, who would be, like, the the dream artist to... Well, one, you know, because you've gotten to play with most everyone, but there's always someone. Like, I've interviewed freaking everyone, as you know. I've still never interviewed Springsteen. I've never interviewed Dylan either, so there's a couple left for me. Who's the dream artist for you to play drums with that you haven't done yet? Um... Going on tour with Post would be a lot of fun. Interesting. And for you, then, you know, as well, who would be the dream artist to produce? Uh, dream artist to produce. It's actually, like, coming to me, you know? Like, I would love, I've always wanted to do something with Denzel. Um, the fact that I, you know, get to, you know, work with Post is something I've always been excited about. Um, honestly, I have all, I have all my dreams my dream collaborations right now. I don't want to like jinx it. Um, they're all happening. So I, I can't, I cannot complain. <laughs> nice. And so you, you go in now, what's timeline for releasing some of this music? I mean, the, the Jaden stuff, it just came out, correct? Yeah. Jaden's song, angels and demons and the video is out. It's going crazy. And then what's coming up after that? What's next in the timeline? Cause there is so much stuff at all times. Yeah, like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll be completely 100, 100% focused on, on Jaden as far as the label's concerned. There's other stuff dropping, you know, there's Blink songs dropping, there's uh, MGK's second single uh, going to be dropping. Um, but as far as Jaden, no, it's just figuring out as we record more songs what, what will be the second single. Well, let's go back to the Kells record for a second and then I'll let you jump. But I'm curious, um, well, actually a couple more quick questions, but one thing, you know, you mentioned that it was something that was, you know, what was it about it for you that, you know, like it just, you said you put so much of yourself into it. It was so fun. I imagine as well that for you, it's fun to see artists who are exploring different things, who are having fun with it. And also, obviously, look, they're excited to work with you because they're fans, all of this. In fact, I think Kels and I even talked about that over the years. So, you know, but when you, when you look at it, like what is it that makes the record so special to you? Uh, what makes the record really special is, number one, it's not like a pop-punk band picking up their guitars to try to, like, continue making a sound. It comes from, the charm is that Kells is coming from a different genre of music and showing a side that people don't even know he has. And, he, and he's had it for years, he just didn't know how he could jump into it and make an album like this until he found me. Um, and I guess just, he, he approaches it different because he, he does, you know, kind of cover multiple genres of music as an artist. 
sometimes just his approach to like a pop punk song could be different lyrically or his cadence could be a little more interesting just because he does rap as well you know um, he does not rap on this album don't don't get me wrong but just his cadence and what he's usually used to doing applied to pop punk just makes for an interesting combination and it's different and it he just does it better than half the, the actual pop punk bands that do it so um i, I can't even like i said i, I if you know this this album would be comparable to if i would have made a blink album around the same time you know i put i put that much of me into it well now okay it's interesting too do you feel like I mean, well, let's just jump ahead. I mean, or is there one song? It's funny. Normally I'll ask about like, you know, songs coming to the stage. Cause here's the thing, right? When you bring music to the stage, as you and I know, it changes. Fans hear it. They bring their own meaning, their own interpretation. So eventually at some point, you know, like we talked about, you know, Kells will get to tour this. You'll ho- probably, I'm guessing, maybe be on the road with him. Who knows? Depending on what Blink is, whatever. But for you, or even if you're just sitting in the audience as a fan, what are one or two songs up there that you are most excited to see how they translate to the stage, and especially because when you're talking about pop punk, you know, it brings that energy, you know? Yeah. Um, I think, like, the title track, To Get To My Downfall, kind of like a punk rock musical kind of masterpiece, a lot of, a lot of parts and tempo changes. That's going to be incredible to see live. And then there's a song called Forget Me Too, and I can't really tell you who the feature is or anything, but to see that song and to watch them perform that live with that feature is going to be amazing. All right. Last two questions. But, you know, going back to, I want to talk about the producer thing for a second. You mentioned Jerry Finn, who of course, unfortunately passed away in 2008 and what a mentor he was for you. Is there anybody that you look at right now who you look at and just say, okay, like I just, is there anybody that you've looked at through history and you're like, dude, I just love everything they do production wise, you know, and you mentioned Feldman who obviously is a friend as well. And I love John, you know, been out to his place and everything, but is there that one person that you look to, whether it's a Rick Rubin, a Daniel Lanois going back to George Barton, who you just feel like they kind of had the Midas touch as a producer, everything they freaking did you know, it works so differently or it works so well, even when you, again, you look at like a George Martin and everything he did with the Beatles, the fact that it could be so different, but it all worked. Um, I mean, like Pharrell is another one that's just like, just hit home runs constantly. But I mean, I could be in, honestly, Steve, I could be in with the youngest, newest producer ever. That's just a collaborator in a session. And I guarantee I learned something from him, whether it's like, oh, you should check out this plugin, or, hey, have you ever done this to guitars? Or, you know, um, I, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of like you never lose going into a session. You just learn. And, um, you know, I just think any other producer I've been with or any other musicians I've been in with, I, I just constantly learning from. But, yeah, those, those just happen to be the ones, I guess, that I've spent the most time with. You know what? I actually, there's one thing I didn't ask you about because, and I know it was supposed to move to LA this year, Muse Inc. But it's funny because who knows if that'll even be able to happen this year, unfortunately. Off the record, I'm just curious as a, as a friend, where was Muse Inc. going to be? Because I know it was going to be in LA. Or if you don't want to say, that's fine. Um, no, we're actually, well, I'm doing Muse I'm doing Inc. now with Golden Boys. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. So we were still messing around with late uh, venues. The music- Mary in Long Beach or we were going to do the shrine and uh, take over the parking lot 
next door on each side as well. Well, for me who lives in Long Beach, I would love Long Beach. But so here's my question yeah. for you. You you have, you know, now it's funny because it's like I was I the reason that I music popped into my head, I was gonna ask you about eventually doing a Travis Fest with all the people you work with, and then I'm like, oh shit, that's what freaking Musink is. <laughs> so yeah. as you look ahead to Musink, whether it's later this year, hopefully, or 2021, and you're putting together all this stuff. You know, give me those three or four dream artists that, you know, are, are your collaborators that would be on Musing Stage. And I know, of course, Kells has already played it, you know? Yeah, I mean, dude, I've had, I feel like I've had it years and years in a row. Like, everyone from the Deftones to Poor to, you know, bands like Lagwagon and No Effects. Um, so we've been spoiled with great, great talent at that festival. Um, so yeah, I mean, I know like this year we were talking about having Suicide Boys. We were talking about having Marilyn Manson. We were talking about having Pennywise back. So, you know, Turnstile. We, you know, we, we were, we were far along in curating the event. It just, you know, obviously this horrible thing, you know, happened to everybody. But, uh, yeah, I look forward to next year and getting back and, and putting on another great event. Nice. I love the fact that you're going to have Manson because, you know, Durst and I are friends as well. You know, we talked about that when you had Limp Biscuit. I love bringing these acts in there that maybe people wouldn't necessarily associate with you. And it's like, and you were talking about it at the time, you're like, just wait, they're going to blow back up. And of course, you were right with Limp Biscuit. So, you know, I think it's just very cool. What do you want to add I did not ask you about? Um, no, nah, I mean, we, I think we covered everything like tickets to my downfall machine and Kelly and, uh, yeah, Jaden's like angels and demons, like that single that's out right now. That's, that's mainly what I'm really, really, really pushing right now. I'm really excited about. Nice. Do you, do you feel like, and this will be the last thing, but do you feel like for you, it brings you like, you know, look, you've been in this industry for 20 something, 30 years. You know, talk about the just in a sentence that joy you get from being able to watch these young artists and see it through their eyes. Oh, oh, one more artist, PPG Casper, who uh, um, produced seven of the nine songs on his album that is coming out in the next few months on Atlantic. But he's an amazing, amazing artist. And um, yeah, we're just, I'm wrapping up that project, just getting mixes and. Uh, I'm really excited about it and he's so talented so that's another artist you know just keep your eye out for um, but no I mean I, I've had a very very long and healthy successful career and it feels new and it's always and it's felt fresh and just different at the moment I started producing and really getting in the studio and writing and just approaching being in this business in a different light or coming from a different angle. And it's really, I don't know. It, it feels like I started over about, you know, five years ago. And I guess just being able to do more than just play drums has been so insightful and, and I'm so grateful for it. And it's been such a cool, fun experience because I get to be part of so many albums and work with so many great artists and write so many great songs and um, I don't know like dude I pinch myself I slap myself daily because of 
and, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to, to have, you know, been here this long or, or work with the artists I get to work with, whether it's doing a Nirvana tribute with Post Malone or a uh, remix for Demi Lovato or write a fucking Blink song. I'm, I'm, I'm so blessed, you know? Nice. And I've been doing this Forbes wrap-up question. I do these all the time because they're just the things that I geek out on. This may be an impossible question, but I've gotten like Tommy Lee and Serge and Perry Farrell to answer it. Favorite 70s song. Is there one? Uh, I guess like anything by Led Zeppelin. I'm not real like, I don't know. You can't really, I get, no, actually anything off the intervisions like Stevie Wonder. What is it about that record in one sentence? Although I love Stevie, but what is it like, you know, in your words, like what, what makes that, you know, your favorite from the 70s? Like how songs have, it's beyond a song, how albums, albums have a sound, like that album has a sound. You, you turn on any song from that album and it has a sound, you know it's Stevie Wonder. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a few albums like that. Like I think like, I think Anima of the State like that. You put on that album and you know it and it has a sound. Um, you put on like Disintegration by The Cure, you put on that album and it has a sound. So I guess it's just, it has that thing, you know? And Stevie Wonder, you kidding me? He played everything on the album. Um, he's been one of my favorite, favorite artists, him and Prince, you know, since I began listening to music. Cool, dude. I'm going to let you jump. It's always a pleasure. I always appreciate your time. And, you know, I, I love the fact that you are having so, that you're one of the few people who's having fun in this time. And, you know, it's such a weird thing because it's like, you don't want to feel like you're enjoying things too much because obviously there are so many people suffering, but it's like at the same time as an artist, you know, there is so much opportunity to be able to do so much right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, absolutely. What you first touched on, Steve, it, it obviously is a very sensitive time. It's a scary time. And it's unfortunate. Like people are sick, people are losing their jobs. And, um, you know, that's, that's one of the reasons during this time I was so busy and, and did that charity with with Post and um, and obviously that first and foremost is the most important thing. Um, but I guess just the, the other side is everyone needs to make the, the best of it and we can't change what's going on and just try to stay busy and stay positive. Cool, dude. Well, enjoy Utah. I'll be excited to hear what comes out of it. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Have a good one. Bye. Hey, this is Steve Balton. You have been here on My Turning Point this week with special guest Travis Barker. Hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Thanks. Stop this pain tonight. Stop this pain tonight. Don't waste your time on me. You're parent with cancer, you're probably worried that your child is feeling scared, sad, or alone, when all you want is for them to just feel like a kid. Camp Kesem is a free week-long overnight camp for children ages 6 to 18 who have a parent facing cancer and was created for kids like yours to have a joyful and empowering summer. Kids have a blast together enjoying camp activities, surrounded by a compassionate community of friends. Register your child for a free life-changing adventure at kesem.org camp.
If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 